And here comes Milwaukee Forbes, another three. Oh, no! <laughs> this is the Random Scrooge Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Random Scrub Heat Podcast. I'm your host, LJ Cascon. As always, we have Hot Take Harrison. George woke up for today's episode, so thank you, George. We have the Thunder from Down Under with us. And then we have the Cooper City Rattlesnake himself, Jonathan Zaslos, tuning in, hopping in for an episode with us. And we have a good amount of stuff to talk about. But prior to yesterday, I thought that I had kind of mapped out what I wanted to ask you and how I wanted this episode to go. And then we had the game in Memphis last night. For those who don't know, we'll get into it real quick. The wee cap for us, the Heat haven't lost since we last potted. They were one and four. They're now four and four. So by that logic, if we just keep potting, they'll never lose another game. I've also worn the same pair of underwear for a week now, but that's for a different reason. Results speak for themselves, though, so I don't need to explain myself to anybody. However, the Heat are four and four, as I said, but the troubles are very, very far from being behind them. Miami's led big in the fourth quarter of all three of their wins. Against Washington, they led by double digits. Against Los Angeles, they led by double digits. And then in Memphis, with three minutes left, they went up by 11. Nearly squandered all three of those wins. Miami's currently sitting at dead last in the NBA in fourth quarter team offense. And now they're going to be without Tyler Hero for the near future. It, the timeline's kind of fuzzy, but we're, we're it's pretty safe to say with his lower body injury history. Multiple weeks, two weeks maybe, if, if, if we're being optimistic, which means this team is going to have to lie on, rely on their depth. What that means is Josh Richardson, who was a negative 19 last night in Memphis, is going to have to pick up some slack. Thomas Bryant has the worst plus minus on the team at negative 44. They're going to have to rely on him. And then I don't have like a, a little nugget to go with this one. This is just Drew Smith. His name kind of carries the weight for it. They have to rely on Drew Smith in the backcourt. So, Jonathan, happy to have you. What do you think? The first thing I want to talk, go off on here is, how do you think the Tyler Hero injury is going to impact this team, and can they survive it? Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. I uh, I think they can survive it. I mean, the easiest place to go is, you know, we watched what they did in the postseason. I mean, I'm so I guess I'm 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 taking more of a big picture point of view. If he's out just a couple of weeks, yeah, like <clears throat> excuse me, no big deal whatsoever. Uh, I guess we'll we'll learn more a little bit later today, or maybe by tomorrow. So I'm not I'm not really concerned about it. I'm not concerned about it because I, I I think you know all right. It means the ball will be in Jimmy's hands a little bit more, which I think was the main reason for their success in the postseason last year. It was funny. It was like. You know, they're so much better without Tyler Hero. I don't think they were so much better without Tyler Hero in the playoffs last year. They they were so much better because, all right, it's not like his production and his points just poof, they disappear. And now what do you do? Okay, instead of Tyler having the ball and taking those shots, it was Jimmy with the ball and taking those shots. And that's obviously a good thing. So it's not like they were better without Tyler Hero. No, they were just better with more Jimmy Butler. So uh, if it's just a couple of weeks, I, I think it's fine. I don't think it's a big deal. I especially think it's fine because, holy shit, I mean, uh, bam, at a bio. Like, I, I feel like maybe we're a little bit of a broken record where we've done this the last couple of seasons when bam will have a stretch of games like, oh, it's happening. Like, he's, he's going to be that guy that we wanted. And, and we do this every year. But I don't know. Maybe I'm a sucker, but I'm doing it again. And I, I feel like it's happening. And, and that's why I feel so good about this team right now was because 
all right, the guy that we got the other night against the Lakers, we didn't get it again in, in four games from now. We got it again immediately, the very next game. So I, that's the main reason that I feel okay about Tyler having to miss a little bit of time, but in general feel really good about where the team is at now. So we're at four and four, and we can kind of hit the reset button. Okay, forget about the first eight games. We're starting fresh. And I feel like what Bam is doing is what we've been waiting for. I'm happy to hear that you you shifted the conversation to Bam a little bit too, because I was going to wait to get into it, but since you brought it up, I'll dive right in. Bam Adebayo, like you said, he 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 matched up against AD the other night. Yeah, you know Anthony Day to Day Davis. AD got hurt, and which kept him out last night's game against Houston, which Los Angeles got decimated, absolutely blown out of the building. Um, Dylan Brooks had his LeBron redemption, whatever it is, but Bam showed up against AD, had the triple double. To me, I don't know about you. To me, that's still a 2020 triple double. NBA can kiss my ass. That's not you don't you don't retroactively do that 48 hours after the fact. That just seemed a little petty to me. I know Spo got into it in his press game or his post game press conference last night, and good for him because he should defend see, his players like that. You guys seen that? Because I haven't seen the rebound they took away. Have you guys seen it? I don't even know. I don't. I don't know if they necessarily said which one it was. They might. Yeah, yeah they, they they went they, back they and. Yeah, they essentially said that there was a block that where they believe Duncan got the rebound and they credited it to him. I didn't, I didn't go back and look because, because as it just feels like they're t- you know, um, it's weird that I, I you know there I was also at the game where they said that Max Struess's three a couple seasons ago against Boston you know didn't oh. count because he had stepped out of bounds. It just you know we always make the joke or not joke that the we just feel like the media the NBA is against us sometimes and then they go out and do this stuff. It's just why are you taking away someone's rebound? Like, what's the point of that? It was called there during the game. I don't think they're trying to inflate his stats. Um, Bam's always around the ball. That's just something he's very good at. He's he's excellent at skying for the rebounds and, um, you know, making sure that he's boxing out and, and get and getting the board. So just seemed like a strange thing to go back and do. And I just wanted to go a little bit off, off your point, uh, Zaz. It's like seeing Bam take a three, like not even thinking about it and making it, uh, very good for his confidence, but more than the three, because I just don't think it's going to be something that uh, I think it's going to be later in his career where it becomes more a part of his game. But Bam getting to the line at the rate he is uh, is yeah. huge for him. I think I saw a stat earlier that he's like seventh in the NBA in free throw attempts. And people last night were saying, "Oh, you know, I thought I thought uh, JJ Day did a good job guarding Bam aside from all the free throws." It's like, why do you think he's at the free throw line so much? It's because. Um, Jared Jackson is fouling him constantly. And if he's, if Bam's finally going to get some respect from the refs, uh, he's a very good free throw shooter. That's going to help his points per game average. You know, we've talked about every year he's increased his points per game average since he started playing. And, you know, if he's a guy that can, can average 23, 24 points a game on top of, I have a very hot take, Zaslow. Um, I think Bam is the greatest defender I've ever watched play basketball. Um, I don't wow. think there's I don't think there's anyone in the NBA that can do everything he does um, on the floor plus guarding one through five. There's just nobody that you would expect to you know guard Steph Curry on one possession and then easily defend Kevon Looney on the next. Haywood Highsmith. Harry's telling uh, what do you call it uh, Ben Wallace to kick rocks. Yeah, I mean, so Highsmith is very good. I've impressed with him this year, but Bam is the best I've ever seen. I know there's other guys, you know, there's always a debate about 
is Draymond better or is a healthy Kawhi better? I just don't think there's anyone that's ever done it to this level and done it as often as he's asked to do it. Um, and I think eventually the respect will come. The The stats are up this year. I'm really hoping – I'm very nervous about what the NBA is going to do with the way that Wemby's playing out in San Antonio. But I think if the Heat can win some games, this could be a year where they really give Bam some defensive player of the year um, where he can get some votes and has a chance at it. And they stop giving it to guys – who are on good defensive teams but aren't even the best defender on their team. I think that's kind of a shame, and this award should mean something, especially when you're talking about um, an award that could put Bam on the Supermax track, and I think he deserves it if they can do it. And so the way he's playing, the way they're running the offense through him, um, you know, his passing has always been great, but it just seems like he's even more focused this year. I'm not sure if it's like the headband bam or um, or he's just pissed and he's ready to just, you know, take names. Because the last two matchups seemed a bit personal against Anthony Davis and Jared Jackson Jr. Um, They've absolutely – it's been a little bit of a revenge tour type of thing. That's the vibe that I'm getting from Bam. I want to ask Jonathan. It's like, do you think this is the year it finally breaks through for him? Like he actually gets the national recognition and he can realistically win DPOI? Well, I, as far as winning the award, I always like it when our guys don't win the awards. You know, I like when they're angry and they feel like they've been snubbed and they feel that everybody's against them. I feel like that's kind of our thing. I, I, I like when we get shortchanged and that kind of deal. But, uh, you know, the last couple of games, yes, last night, Jaron Jackson and Jaron Jackson was on Team USA and he got his I mean, he he got killed in in the world games, you know, Jaron Jackson. And then Bam had, look, 15 field goal attempts, 30 points. You're getting two points per field goal attempt. That is elite stuff that Bam did last night. And just the Laker game, I was so impressed because, yeah, it was it wasn't against some random team it's a high profile team and most importantly it was against anthony davis whoever who is big and everyone regards at like bam in the past has had troubles with the bigger centers guys like even guys who aren't necessarily great one-on-one defenders brooke lopez is a good interior defender but he's not a good one-on-one defender and bam has had problems with guys like brooke lopez the bigger centers and they don't come a whole lot bigger than anthony davis and i know davis got hurt still played 25 minutes all right like he still played a lot and and bam took his lunch money the the entire game you know so that that was the part that was so encouraging to me it wasn't against some random dude that he was doing this but look like same thing saturday he doesn't have to be 30 and 11 again but i i I want i want to see it every game you know I, i want once in a while he doesn't have that dominant type effort i I don't want it to be once in a while he has the huge games. Like, I, I want to see it again Saturday. But so far, like, it looks fantastic because we have several games in a row now where he's been a real big force. Against very good competition, I might add, too, just like you said. But yeah, I, I think you're going to see it a little more consistently now, too, with Tyler out. I know we mentioned a little bit earlier on about the depth and who picks up the slack mm-hmm. for Tyler. It. I hope it's Bam. I don't want to sit here saying I know it's going to be Bam because we don't know that. I hope it's Bam, because if that's what this team can look like in the second half, like we saw last night, well, I guess most of the game, because Tyler got hurt late in the first quarter, but so pretty much all that game, the way that they kind of ran their offense sands the last three minutes of the game, I'm pretty optimistic that they they can stay afloat 
especially, I mean, I know what, what is it, Harry? Is it eight of the next nine games are on the road? Oh yeah. Something they pissed off the schedule makers to start this season because this is a crazy schedule. They've had what two home games, three home games this year. And then eight of the next nine on the road or nine of the next 10. It's something, it's a crazy number like that. But that what, what I want to ask, cause I mentioned the fourth quarter thing here before I let Harry and George kind of ask some questions. I just wanted to ask, what do you think about this fourth quarter? How, how, do, how do they fix their fourth quarter woes? Is it, is it rooted in Kyle Lowry? Is it rooted in not having a true point guard to initiate offense or to get sets going? Because they seem perfectly fine for 85% of the game. If you take away the last five minutes of fourth quarters out of this heat season, they're probably like, what, six and two or something? But because they constantly struggle just to get anything going, they go stagnant. How would you kind of go about fixing that? Well, the first thing I would say is I think it's a little bit too small of a sample size. We're only seven games in. Uh, and, you know, I, I think every team, you know, can go through a stretch of a few games in a row where they could str- struggle down the stretch of games. So it's not anything that I'm concerned about at this point. But I think, and, and while they've been playing together for five years now, feels like a long time, right? Hero and Bam and Jimmy, this is the fifth year they're together. I do feel there's a little bit of a feeling out period, believe it or not, in these fourth quarters where, all right, like, who, who's the guy? Who are we going to run this thing through? Is it Jimmy, who we know when it's playoff time, it's all through Jimmy. But Jimmy also likes to take a little bit of a back seat during the regular season. So, okay, fine. Is it going to be Tyler, who is clearly trying to take that next step, and he's got the ball in his hands a ton now? Or... Look at what Bam is able to do now down the stretch. Like, And we know he can create the offense as well. So even though these guys, and Spoke kind of alluded to it a little bit, I think it was after the Laker game where he said something to the effect of, you know, when, when our big three gets going, you know, this is going to be a different animal. It was, it was something like that, he said. But I, I think even though they've been together for five years now, I, I think there's a little bit of a feeling out process because – they're all kind of entering different stages of their career where Tyler and Bam are both clearly on the ascent. Well, I don't think Jimmy's on the descent, but he, he's kind of on a, a, an even plane, you know, like he's not, he's not, he's not on the upward ramp anymore. And I think there's a little bit of a feeling out process that comes with that in the fourth quarter of these tight games, but I, it's, it's not something I'm concerned with. I, I think, I, I think it's just way too small of a sample size. I mean, it's been frustrating of course, because, they were they were a uh, Cade Cunningham missed shot from starting the year 0 and five and all of the games included blown leads in the fourth quarter. I mean that's disgusting if they were 0 and five to start the year. But I, I think there's been a little bit of a feeling out process, believe it or not, not, with these guys. And part of it is their own fault. Where you know Jimmy didn't play in the preseason and then he sat out the third regular season game. And so, unfortunately, we, we treated the first few games of the season like preseason. I, I mean, and that that's like it sucks that that's what the league has become now. But I think that plays a little bit of a part. The only pushback I would give it all is just that the, the small sample size regard is it's pretty much the same team as last year, given some bottom levels of the bench. And you saw a little bit of that kind of. I don't know the right word for it, a disjointment in the fourth quarter. You saw that last year because, they I mean, they almost set the record for most clutch games last season. <laughs> They're on the same damn track this year so far. I think what one of their games this year hasn't been a clutch game. I guess technically it was the Milwaukee game, and then I know Minnesota kind of pulled away late too. But 
that's the only thing that concerns me is like, I feel like we've seen this before and they didn't rectify it. We saw it start to creep in two years ago when they were the number one seed and they started to lose some games there because their, their offense went stagnant in the fourth quarter. I'm just a little nervous that it, it might grow into something bigger, especially with Tyler out now, but I, I, I guess we'll have to wait and see Harry and George, you guys want to shoot, uh, fire something off. I'll, I'll study it. Um, with the Philly out process, we see how the rosters really like developed into something not technically new, but I feel like the system's developing under Spur a little bit differently, especially when we lost um, Max Struess and Gabe Vincent. I feel like they're transitioning to more giving Bam the ball. And I think it's as much as a system change as it is Bam actually looking to, to hunt down for his own shot, but it leaves glaring holes in the, in the roster, especially after not making many free agency moves. The two obvious holes, the point guard and the power forward position. I feel like in the power forward position, they're trying to really navigate their own way. They've, they've tried Haywood there. They tried, they tried to start um, Hame. I, I don't think it's the biggest problem. I feel like the point guard has takes the cake for being the biggest problem on this team right now. But I wanted to get your, your thoughts, uh, Jonathan Zazlo, on, on the topic. If you had the chance to make one change at what position, what would it be? Yeah, I mean, believe it or not, I, I would I would rather upgrade at the power forward spot because when we're talking about upgrading at the point guard spot, I look at it more along the lines of the positionless mindset where, okay, like we could just have Hero and Butler and Bam on the floor and it could be Highsmith or Martin in that other spot and I'd rather a bigger guy next to them. So I guess what I'm saying is I, I I don't see the need to upgrade a point guard. We have guys who can handle the basketball. I'd rather upgrade at the power forward spot because we need the heights. We've been a small team for, for years now. I don't know where that's coming from. I mean, those guys aren't just readily available, but if I had a choice to upgrade one of those two positions, I think you could upgrade the point guard position from within. You just like you have perimeter players. He just doesn't necessarily need to be labeled as a point guard. Like Tyler and Jimmy and Kayla Martin are out there as your three wings. I'm totally comfortable with that group right there. But who's a guy who can give us a little bit of size next to Bam? I mean, Kevin Love has already lost his spot in the rotation. I love Haywood Highsmith, but he's he's small. You know, I, I'd like someone bigger at that four position. Same thing with Caleb Martin, you know, like he's fine out there if he's one of our three wings, but Caleb out there starting at the four and the same thing with Hawkes. He's only six foot six. Like I mean, Hawkes is a guard, maybe a small forward. He's only six foot six. So yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's real easy to say I'd like someone better than Kyle Lowry. I don't think it's as important as getting someone big who could play next to, next to Bam and, and, and help grab some rebounds and defend a little bit. I just want to, oh, before just jumping right before Harry, I just wanted to draw attention to the fact that if you would have told me 365 days ago that Haywood Highsmith would be this integral, this important to the mechanism I love him. of how the Miami Heat are operating, I would have slapped you across the face. Because th this, we are relying on this guy He's who really looked good. like he was on He's the beaches really of player. Normandy last year when he would touch the ball. He was a deer in headlights, and now he's he's put making so many smart plays. He is a savant on defense. It, it, 
it to me it makes me think like all right maybe the heat learned this last off season their lesson from extending players that they've developed right with the gabes and the maxes with haywood coming into his own now that makes you you know make haste a little bit when you think about caleb martin and whether or not they're going to extend somebody who's in his late 20s now has knee tendonitis I don't know. I'm, I'm getting kind of a Todd Gurley-esque vibe of someone that young with knee tendonitis. I don't know if Miami is going to be very likely to extend Caleb at this point, just because Haywood has been, again, small sample size, just been out of this world in, in what he's been asked to do. I also think that, you know, I think we discussed it during the postseason and the end of that run last year. Like, Haywood was very good in the playoffs, and I think we were questioning why he didn't get a bit more run in the finals. You know, he had a very good first game against Denver, even though Obviously, that was a loss. You just felt like his minutes were a bit more impactful than the other guys that were being put out there. And I think that's just led into a good start for the season You know, to him now. He obviously picked up that injury at the end of the preseason, but has come back. And I like him as a starting four. I, you know, I agree with Zaslow that maybe there's an upgrade there and you just kind of slide him into you know, maybe that first guy off the bench or you know, one of the first two guys off the bench. But you know, his minutes are going to be huge. I think that I think the issue I'm having with the Heat and these fourth quarter collapses is just how bad they've been and how often they occur. So essentially, like for me, if this was if this was just a season we've never seen it before, this is just something that continues to occur. And for me, this is interesting about the Heat. They are um, essentially they they're they're shooting the three ball well this year. That was an issue last year before the postseason. They are really shooting the three ball well. And that might be a way that they could survive without Tyler if they're able to still get up these threes and hit them. But for me, the fourth quarter seems to be like they don't have anyone that can get to the paint with any regularity. Um, I've been joking, but essentially the only guys on this team that I trust to get into the paint uh, are Jimmy Butler when he wants to and Duncan Robinson. That's it. Uh, you really don't I was trust waiting any- for you to say his name. You really I was don't if you do a Voldemort. <laughs> you really don't trust anybody else um, to get into the lane on this team. And I think that hurts you when you start missing shots in the fourth and then it becomes almost like a snowball and avalanche on top of each other because, Hey, we're not like the Lakers game. I was watching what the heat were up by nine with a few minutes left. And then they just never scored again. Uh, and they were lucky. They had built up enough of a lead in the Lakers for the Lakers to not win that game. Because I just think when you're taking, you know, you're taking these shots um, you're really having, it's, it's troubling when you can't make them. And the other part is, and I guess I look around the league a lot, most teams when they go up by double digits in the fourth, you know, they're able to sit their guys down. Uh, everyone can have a rest, and that's the game. They end up keeping the blowout on. And the Heat have not been able to do that. And so I'm just – I get a little concerned because, you know, there's no way to really equate this. There's no research that's been done to, to find this. But – I think these guys need to rest a bit during the regular season, not whole games, but if you can have Bam and Jimmy sitting out fourth quarters because you're blowing a team out, I think that's great for them. And, you know, for them not having to give maximum effort in every clutch game. So Spo would argue that it helped them a lot with how to win clutch games in the postseason. And I think there's obviously an argument and some merit to what he's saying. But I also think that that's also why they get tired at the end of the season, playing a hundred games. They've all been close. Um, playing big minutes, tough minutes, defending constantly because all these games have been clutch games. And I just think they they need to find that balance. When they're up by 17 against a Nets team that's missing most of their roster, that should be a game that they sh- should be able to close out, should be should have been able to keep the blowout going and could have rested their guys. And instead, you know, it turned into a loss. And I, I don't know 
I don't, you know, the, they're going to say the answers are inside this building, the answers are inside this room. Um, but at some point, I don't know if that's true. This is the fifth year of this team. Um, this is, we've seen this a lot. And while we know they can probably make another run deep into the Eastern Conference, I think they need to change some things around to um, make this team the closest to a to winning and a contender as possible. And so that's kind of what I'm looking at over these next few weeks, obviously without Tyler probably for most of them. You know, how can we get this offense to be better in the fourth? Because the offense has been okay through the first. Like, it's been pretty good through three quarters, and then it's fallen off a cliff. And I just think that's what they really need to work on, especially on this road trip. And you hope that they can turn some of that around because it doesn't seem like a small sample size to me. This seems like a recurring issue that's happened for the last two or three years now. You said, Harry, I, I heard that um, you said they need to make some changes. I just wanted to ask you real quick, Harry, what you mean by that. Do you mean make some changes internally or do you mean like in a change of philosophy, whether it be tax related or not wanting to be up against it, waiting to, to get their guy or being proactive? Uh, I mean, I think it's a little bit of everything, right? I think, I think sometimes teams run its course. So um, I'm not saying that the, the he can't be successful this year, but five years with the same iteration of the team without, without major changes, is, it's a bit rare in today's NBA. And I just think it might not necessarily lead to where they, where they want it to go. And I also think that, you know, if, if, the, if, if this is the Jimmy build and they're, they're doing everything they can to win with Jimmy because we've seen that he becomes one of the best players in the NBA in the postseason. I, I mean, I, to me, he's top two, you know, when it matters at the end of games. And I thought those two players matched up in the finals last year. You know, I don't – if that's the case, if we have this guy, if this is what he can do um, when it really matters, why aren't we making his life easier? Why aren't we bringing in another guy that can help Bam, you know, defend and, and – set Bam up. Bam's so good down low. Why don't we have another guy that can dribble penetrate and lob it to Bam for easy buckets? Why does everything have to be a tough mid-range shot for him? Um, so that, and the last thing, and maybe I'll pose a question to you, Zaz, is like, do you think this heat philosophy of like doing whatever they can to not pay a big tax bill is something that is sustainable to a championship? Because to me, I think we've done the research before and Alex Shelton had, had went into it from the, from the basement. You know, I think five teams have ever won a championship without being in the tax. And when you look at the contenders and, and obviously what they're willing to spend and to win, um, you know, I just think that cutting costs at all these corners isn't necessarily the best route to go about it. And while, while the heat have been excellent over the years, especially since LeBron left at finding cheap chat, cheap talent. I was joking with my dad the other day that they, they basically find like these public's bag boys and they turn them into great rotational players, guys from division two, II, division three schools that other teams have passed over multiple times and have went through uh, these systems and they're able to turn them into really great rotational guys that can make an impact while those help, you know, why haven't we turned them into other assets that can become better guys? Um, you know, LJ mentioned Caleb Martin. I think it's time to move on from Caleb. You know, even if they think they need him this year, there might be a way to package him in a deal with a Kyle or something and to get a much better upgrade for this roster. And I mean, do you think that kind of continually avoiding this tax for, you know, whatever the reason is ownership, or they just think they can do it with 
guys that are making less is something that can really lead to another heat championship. Yeah. I, I always wind up pushing back on, on that narrative and on that stuff for a couple reasons, you know, number one, you know, there is this, there's this misconception that the heat don't spend and, and that the owner is cheap. I mean, right now they have the ninth highest payroll in the NBA. They're top 10. They have the, only eight teams have a higher payroll than them right now. So I'm, I'm not sure how that's being cheap when 21 other teams are spending less than they are this year. Mickey Harrison has had no problem being in the tax to, when it's been to add a piece that the team feels puts them over the hump and makes them a championship contender. And by the way, the Heat are in the tax. It's just a matter of how far into the tax do they want to go. They're, they're always in the tax. And this year overall, they're, they have the ninth highest payroll in the league. Uh, and, and the other misconception that I, I push back on as well, it's not, I mean, maybe I'm, look, I'm not behind the closed doors. I'm not, I'm not there for these meetings, but I think a lot of heat fans think that they're not spending this or they're not spending this, or they're not adding this guy is because Mickey Harrison doesn't want to spend the money. Maybe that's true. I don't know. I'm not there, I, but I know that one of the main reasons that they're not adding certain players and they don't spend a certain amount of money is because over the last couple years, the the luxury tax has become extremely punitive. If you spend a certain amount of you, money, you pass this apron and then you pass the second apron. If you pass a certain amount of money, it's not just about how much you're going to spend against the tax. It's about, okay, you're no longer a player in the buyout market. Like where the Heat stand right now, they're not allowed to re they're not allowed to sign Kevin Love when he gets bought out in March. They're not allowed to sign that guy because of where they are in on, on their salary. So you get to a certain apron, you're not in the buyout market anymore. Come April, April uh, March, you get to a certain part of the apron, and you're not able to have this exception in the off season. You're not allowed to make a sign and trade anymore. I mean, how advantageous is it to make sign and trades? Now, look, I, I don't have all the machinations in front of me. But you get to a certain dollar amount, you're not allowed to make make sign and trades in the offseason anymore. I think Heat fans think that it's the tax is just, okay, you're going to have to spend a little bit more money when that's not true. It's super punitive. You know, you know, if you get to a certain point in the tax and you're there for, I think it's three years in a row, they wind up taking your draft pick and move it to the end of the first round. I mean, like, that's what we're talking about here. It's not just about the money. It's about the team. We always hear this, right? They want flexibility. Well, you get to a certain dollar amount, you lose your flexibility to be able to improve the roster. Imagine the Heat acquired Jimmy Butler in sign and trade. All right. Like we forget about that. It was a sign and trade. Imagine if they added certain player here, certain player there. Jimmy Butler wants to come here and we can't add him because we're not allowed to make sign and trades because we're past like that second apron. So I feel like it's only talked about Mickey Harrison doesn't want to spend money. There's so much more to it than that. I guess I guess Zazzle just to push back on on it a little bit. And every and I everything you said was true. So I'm not saying I just think there's a I just think because of these things, like because the you know the, the original change in the tax and the repeater tax was because 
Dan Gilbert is a bastard and he was upset that LeBron came down here and then eventually had to end up paying the repeater tax because LeBron went back to Cleveland. So there was karma there. But I think kind of what happens and where I get frustrated is um, they knew they'd be in the tax this year based on the contract they'd signed. They tend to, you know, when these contracts don't work out, for example, like whatever you think of Duncan Robinson, his contract's quite large and the length of time for, for what he had been providing to the Heat. Um, so that, you know, that's hurt. Obviously, Kyle Lowry, third year guaranteed, 30 million at what he's providing for the team is tough. Um, they extended Hero uh, at 28 million a season or 20, maybe it's 27, I believe, this year. And the problem is when you have, you know, three contracts like that on the books. So you get, you have Kyle, who's a bit older and obviously not not able to what not able to do what he was doing when they won a championship in Toronto or Duncan, who seems to have finally figured it out in year, you know, three of this contract, but the first two years were very tough. And also Lowry on this third year. And like I said, you've found guys who can contribute. It's like, you need to be able to, you need to be able to do both. You need to be able to um, sell guys to get assets so that you can make other moves to improve, which, which can also lower the tax. There's just, all these things are interrelated to each other, and it seems like they're all done. Uh, I, and I know the Heat are talking to each other, but the, it just seems like there's a disconnect between all those parts. Essentially, like, maybe you should have recognized that while Duncan Robinson had one of the greatest shooting seasons ever, uh, that was unlikely to repeat itself. And it did. And if it, even if you wanted to keep him, maybe it didn't need to be for, for five years. Maybe it needed to be for three, because he's he's a, he'd be a much better asset if he if his contract was expiring this year. And then you have Lowry, who while while he was the best guy available and obviously a friend of Jimmy's and they're very close, you know, maybe you didn't need to guarantee this third year. And I understand maybe that's why they got him. Maybe they had other teams who were willing to do that. But it just seems like the front office makes some moves that don't always work out. Um, the ownership is not willing to go – has not been willing in the past to, to go deep into the tax or even into the tax at all to erase some of these mistakes. And now here you are. Everything's due this year. Um, every contract you sign, all these things puts them, you know, quite deep into the tax. Now they've set up these other aprons. And for me, it's just become like, you are trying to compete. You are trying to keep the tax bill at a level where you can still make moves during the season, where you can still have a sign and trade option. If a guy did want to come to Miami as a free agent. And to me, and I know I've, we, I've spoke about this a lot. It just feels like they put themselves in a very tough position and I think they simply have to make moves this year, not only to rebalance the roster and get guys that can help Jimmy and Bam, but to figure out that tax issue moving forward because as it does become more restrictive, you do not want this team to get further away from contention. I think um, we're getting more into like actual player names here. And I, personally, I, we'll, we'll go there in a second. Um, I just wanted to say I want to call myself out on being hypocritical too because I know we all kind of – we want to see the team succeed at the end of the day. Like that's just the end of it. We don't care who is here to do it. We just want to see them win and win consistently. But we, we get on Pat and Mickey for being like, you know, they, they haven't, they, they struck out or they, they were going for the big move or they sat on their hands too long and they didn't make a move. And we just want to see them do something because they've kept the same team for like Zaz said too, for about four or five years now, a little too much consistency sometimes can be a bad thing, but to call it our own hypocritical aspects here is, they, the last time they did take a big move was Kyle Lowry and it kind of kicked them in the ass a little bit. So it's like a little gun shy because the last time you made this huge investment, like Harry was saying too, offering that third year when 
probably from, you know, tw- hindsight's twenty twenty. but you look at that as a whole and you're like, yeah, they probably shouldn't have done that. Even in the moment, I, I didn't really want them to give that third year because you're looking at a guy who's like 38, getting all that money. And you're like, that's not a good idea, but I guess you had to do it to be able to secure him. Cause I know the, not Toronto, but Dallas was, was huge on him too. I know Philly was in on him, but it, it is what it is. So I understand them being a little gun shy now because the last time they did go big, they kind of got bit in the ass, but I wanted to go to a viewer question here. Some of our listeners gave us some questions that they wanted to ask you and Harry started listing off some players. So it got me thinking, who are your three most beloved heat players of all time and three most disliked, disdained heat players of all time. But the, the, there's a caveat, Zaz. There's a caveat. You can't say Dwayne Wade. You can't say Alonzo Mourning. Those are the two easy ones that are most people's favorite of all time because they built what the Heat are. Zoe in the 90s, Wade in the 2000s. Anyone else? Completely fair game. Even LeBron. LeBron's fair game if you want to go that route. Okay, so Mount Rushmore, no Dwayne Wade. That's what that's what we want. My favorite guys. That's correct. Okay, uh, I'm glad I'm glad you said no Dwayne Wade because it's never been my thing. And this is what you know, like the Dolphins. Also, my favorite player is never the guy that's everybody else's favorite player. So Dwayne Wade, believe it or not, would not be on my Mount Rushmore of favorite players anyway. I mean, I think it's just it's 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 like obviously best, but. Uh, it's. I just think it's lame when everybody's favorite is also your favorite guy. It's never been the case for me. So, all right, my Mount Rushmore top four favorite Heat players of all time. Glenn Rice is always going to have the top spot. So, Glenn Rice for me uh, is number one. I got Jimmy Butler up there. He's probably number two for me, actually. This isn't necessarily in order, but I got Glenn Rice, Jimmy Butler, Shaquille O'Neal. I loved Shaq's time here. I am a, a big, big, big Shaq guy. So, Glenn Rice... Jimmy Butler, Shaquille O'Neal, and Alonzo Mourning. Yeah, those are the four for me. That's my four favorite guys. Uh, I loved watching Zoe play. He obviously was there right at the start of all the Heat culture, 1995. Even though he was traded for Glenn Rice, and that was a very tough day for 14-year-old Zaslow, but uh, Alonzo was just so great to watch play. The intensity, the muscles, the the posing, the you know, after all the big plays and and then of course the payoff in game six in 2006 in Dallas, where per minute, I, I, I think it was the best 13 minutes that he's ever played in his life that game six in Dallas. So yeah, Glenn Rice, Jimmy Butler, uh, Shaquille O'Neal, Alonzo morning. That's my four. Now let's flip it though. for most disdained heat players in Miami history. Okay. So I, I don't actively, this one is tough to come up with, but I, I, I'm going to be able to do it. The only one who I actively have ever dis, have had active disdain for is Kyle Lowry. I've, I've never disliked a Miami Heat player the way that I dislike watching him out there on my team. I hate having to root for him. I want him to do well because if he does well, you know, we do well. But I don't, don't like having him on my team. I don't like having to watch him. So. Kyle Lowry, for sure, number one. The other guys don't even come close to measuring up how I feel about Kyle Lowry, but I was really bothered with Deion Waiters in his final days with the Heat. You know, the 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 pouting and the moping and the not wanting to check into games and the behavior. It was like, I I, I thought he was such an ingrate because they gave, they, they gave him a chance. He was non-tendered by Oklahoma City. And, and like, the Heat gave him a shot and then gave him a big contract. 
And this is the behavior like you are an ingrate. So Dion Waiters, he's up there for me. His first go round with the team, not the second go round. His first go round, I did not enjoy Eddie House. I uh, he really bothered me. I he just was not a good player. I liked his second turn with us. He you know he was on that 2011 Heat team. He did a nice job when called upon off the bench. But you know rookie Eddie House, his first couple years league. Oh my God, I was not a fan. And my fourth one uh, is Gary Payton. Now. Get, I obviously I'm, I'm grateful for Gary Payton because game three in 2006, he hit the shot. Maybe we don't win the finals if he doesn't make that shot. But that year, that his first of the two years, Gary Payton, 2006, I did not like watching him because he, and I'm fine with him now, you know, and, and he loves the heat. But I think he struggled, Gary Payton, with being the guy that he was and then the significant drop-off that he had when he joined the Heat. Like, he really fell off a cliff that first year. And I think he struggled with that. And uh, and as a result, he was he was not a fun player to watch. So, yeah, those are probably the four for me. But, but Lowry's the only one that I have, like, active disdain for. The other guys, like, I didn't really hate. Is it, is it bad that I could fill that entire second part of the Mount Rushmore with plays that have played in the last like four years. Like that's, is that a bad thing? Does that make <laughs> me a bad fan? Really? I think so. Cause like names like Mo Harkless, Nemanja Bielitsa, um, <laughs> like Dwayne Dedman, they, they just, they all throw themselves at that spot. Avery Bradley, when he was here, like it just, it just annoys me. Like with these, these plays play bad, but then I'm hearing all of these legends and I'm, I'm not a new fan, but like I've been, only actively like following the heat for the last like six or seven, maybe no, it's been more now. It's been about 10 to 11 years, but I hear the names like Gary Payton, Zoe, and not, not that you mentioned Zoe, but all these players. And I'm just thinking, how can anyone not like Gary Payton? And then I hear your reasoning and I'm like, okay, that makes sense. But uh, it just it makes me feel bad that I could throw like at least nine names, like Chris Silver. They just, they just keep coming to my head. Carl Guy, when he, I like Carl Guy. I did, he was a, actually a really nice guy as well. But um, I, I don't know. I feel like I'm a bad fan. But Harry could feel. But you know what it was like? Those guys that you're mentioning there, yeah, they stink. But it's <laughs> like they they didn't matter. You know, like they they you didn't have to actively dislike. They were so inconsequential that it, it didn't matter to me. Those guys. The Nemanja know? one hurts me the most. The the, the Nemanja Bielitsa one hurt me the most because he came here. He then left to go to Golden State. And it got violent on the, yeah. <laughs> against the Heat. They sucked. They weren't good. They didn't. They didn't play me. They didn't. You were overweight. You were you out of shape. They couldn't play you. Yeah. You played six minutes. You were profusely sweating. It's not their fault. It's your fault. But then he won a ring for it. That's all I'm <laughs> gonna say. He won a yeah, ring. I, yep. I, I'm a, I'm a little worried. I'm a little worried that if we, you know, if the Heat don't end up winning a ring with Jimmy, and we look back at some of the guys that they brought in, that we're gonna say. There must have been other moves that could have been made, and we're always going to look at it as if, man, what could have been. But I guess you know, Zaz, I've been listening to you for a very, very long time. Uh, I think I've been a Heat fan since I want to say I like started watching pretty regularly since 1994. And I was going to ask you, have you, you know, obviously you have some championship rings when you were working with the Heat. Have you ever, um, have you ever been offered uh, money by people to sell them and 
Has that ever crossed your mind? I'm guessing the answer is no. But has, have people come up to you and asked to to buy these rings off you? No, the answer to both those questions is no. Nobody has ever offered and I there's there's nothing that anyone can offer that I would take them up on it. They're to, they're absolutely priceless. It's it's the item everybody has the item, right? If your house is on fire, what do you grab on your way out? You could only save one item. I mean, I'm assuming my kids and the dogs, you know, they got legs, they make it out on their own. I'm grabbing uh the rings. I have a case, both the rings are in it. I grab the case with the rings in it. Uh, they're priceless to me. I I would never I would never sell them for anything. Name so before when we were talking about having you on, George asked me. He said, "LJ, do you think Zaz would sell his rings if I gave him a dingo, a wallaby, and a koala?" I said, "I don't think so, but you'd have to ask him yourself." Do, do those three Australian native animals do anything for you? Does that move the needle? Nah, I'm not one of those people. I mean, it's usually girls, right? Like koalas are the cutest thing ever. Uh, it doesn't do anything for me. Although, although you know, I endorse sheets and giggles, and that's made from eucalyptus trees. All right, sheetsgiggles.com for anybody who's out there. Uh, so I, I dig that coming from uh, from your neck of the woods. But otherwise, uh, the dingo, maybe the dingo ate your baby. I don't know. You know, it doesn't really do anything for me. Speaking of houses burning down, I feel like uh, the sponsor of the Random Scrub Heat podcast might have something to say about that. It's insurance, and insurance doesn't need to be complicated. A primary sponsor of the basement is Simple Health Advisors. Email them, give them a call today, tell them that the basement sent you. Email our good friend, JPU, at simplehealthadvisors.com. Give them a ring, 321-345-7738. And now I just want to open the floor up to you guys as well. Harry, George, if you had any other additional questions you wanted as as, I think George has something geared up. All right, Zaz, I'm going to take a risk here. I'm going to, I don't know if you play games in your spare time, but uh, Rockstar just announced their yeah. new installment in the GTA franchise. GTA 6 will be coming out soon with the trailer coming out next month. Now, you're probably asking why. Why would I even mention this on Heat, in a, on Heat Pod? The last time they brought out an installment in the GTA franchise, it was GTA 5, and that was in September of 2013. Now, 2013, great year for Heat fans, Heat fans all around the world. If you could take one player that wasn't starting on the heat that year and put him on the team this year, who would it be and why? One player on that year's team that wasn't starting. Uh, we'll go 12, 13, 12, 13. Was, 12, thir- was Ray Allen wasn't the starter, right? Ray Allen came off the bench. So yeah, give me Ray Allen's three point shooting, right? You know what? Funny enough, people don't actually answer with Ray Allen. They usually get a lot more Shane Battier than anything else. Shane, Shane Battier was the first one I thought of, but then I also remembered, yeah, Ray Ray came off the bench. Give me Ray Allen. I want the three-point shooting. With the way the league is now, I mean, yeah, it was only 10 uh, – it was 11 seasons ago, 10 years ago, but the three-point shooting is so much more prevalent now. Give me Ray Allen. It's a good answer too, because like you would think they would need some some defensive help on the perimeter with Shane Battier, but you can't look at San Steph Curry. You can't look at the greatest shooter of all time and be like, "Yeah, I don't want him helping this yeah. bench unit." Because now that Tyler's out, it's like, where where are they going to get a lot of their shooting from? Harry already said a nice thing about Duncan this pod, so I'm not yeah. going to press him on saying another nice thing about Duncan. Harry, I do want to ask you real quick though: best 55 in Heat history is it Eddie House? Second stint, Eddie House. There's got to be someone else, right? 
Jason Williams. This is just oh, Jason, there you go. Yeah, Jason, definitely Jason Williams. Then I was just thinking, like, there's no way that. Yeah. Uh, well, that and Zaz, I was kind of going to lead into my question is so. I thought that was so interesting after the 2005 season. You know, I really think the Heat probably had a very good chance to win if uh, Wade hadn't gotten hurt in that Pistons series. I, I don't think that Spurs. I don't think the Spurs team that year was um, was as good. At, you know, as that as a healthy Heat team. So that offseason, Riley made the biggest trade in uh, NBA history and brought in a lot of guys that maybe, um, you know, weren't as highly touted by other teams, but fit perfectly in with what they needed. You know, a Jason Williams, a James Posey, an Antoine Walker. Um, you know, do, do you think that, do you think that maybe, do you think we'll ever see that version of Riley again? Because I've just, I've just gotten a little disappointed over the last few years that, you know, okay, maybe the Heat don't always have the assets to get these deals done, but I just think they would have put everything on the table to build, uh, to make, to take the big risk and build the team around Jimmy and Bam and bring in the guy, the third guy that they needed to really say, this is the team going forward. Um, you know, assuming health, we really think we can win this whole thing. It doesn't matter who's out there. It doesn't matter, you know, if it's LeBron or, uh, or, or Jokic or any of these guys. Uh, that are really do you think we'll ever see that again is there like a move on the horizon that we're just not seeing or have they just kind of become a bit more conservative whether it's they've been burned by other deals in the past or they're just worried about pushing all their chips in because I think most fans were disappointed by this offseason with the heat and then you heard Riley come out and say hey we're just not ready to like push all our chips into the middle and that's always been his move that was the Riley move do you think that's way behind us as he get as he's gotten older or as the league has changed or is there like does he have one more rabbit that he can pull out of his hat well first of all pat riley's a liar all right and and we've we've all known that forever he's a huge liar and you know he's not going to come out and say that portland you know wouldn't engage with us even though we know that that's what happened i mean they they were trying to put their chips on the table and the Blazers weren't even looking at what they have. And so, you know, Riley is going to spin it in a direction where a Tyler hero doesn't have to be upset and B it doesn't seem like, you know, they lost out. It was more like we had a little bit of control and, you know, we weren't really to, ready to use all of our assets. It may or may not be true. Uh, I guess I, I think the, so, so they tried, they, they wanted to go all in on Damian Lillard and it was beyond their control, which sucks. But that right there is why the easy answer to your question is no, we are not going to see that version of Pat Riley again because what's happened here with the league, the best version of Pat Riley has been the guy who gets to sit down in free agency with the big free agent and convince him to come over. That's not the league anymore. There's no such thing as the big player hitting free agency anymore. These big name players, they're in free agency whenever they want. They sign the big contract, and if they decide year three in the five-year deal, I'm a free agent now, then they're a free agent, and they ask for a trade. So instead of Riley being able to use all of his Riley magic and wisdom and put the rings on the table and convince the player to sign with them, not only does he have to do that, but the Heat also have to convince the other team to trade him here instead of taking Team X's offer on the other side. The league's changed when it comes to transactions, and it's really hurt the Heat. So, yeah, I don't think we're going to see that version of Pat Riley anymore because it's just so difficult now. 
I think I just had the funniest mental image of all time in which Thomas Bryant's sitting at the table and Pat Riley walks in with the rings and gives him the whole spill. That would just be that would make my day watching that video. Like he's just like I'm gonna I'm gonna dust them off for, for the old thing. Can we can we talk about that for a second? Because I just thought of that as I was watching um, you know, Thomas Bryant and Josh Richardson struggling. We have a very strange day one free agency curse going on recently. Like any guy we've signed day one recently has been very bad for the Heat. So, you know, hopefully Jay Rich and Brian turn it around. But, you know, Deadman and Oladipo last year, I mean, Deadman was actively hurting the team. Uh, and Oladipo, unfortunately, can't stay healthy. And then, the, you know, the year before it was Kyle, who hasn't lived up to his contract and has become your least favorite player, Zaz, of all time. And Duncan is is on the list for me. So, I mean, do you think like they're just they're going out and targeting these guys and it's just not – working out for them because that's the last three years they've targeted these guys on day one and no one's really turned out to to have really helped this team in any uh any tangible way nah i mean i think it's coincidental i I think i think two of those three years you know they weren't going to go the lowry year being the other one but two of those three years they they weren't going to try and do anything significant the first day because they had bigger grander plans that they were holding out on you know, what was it? It was a few years ago. It was Durant. Was that the one I'm thinking of? Uh, so, yeah, it's it, it's just coincidental. But I, I'll tell you, I was really excited when they when they brought back Josh Richardson and uh, because I'm sentimental like that. But, man, like, I, he's not playable right now. Like, just, like not a playable guy. And I don't know what they're going to do <laughs> because that, that can't be the guy who's – he can't, he can't play 20 that can't play 20 minutes every night it's really bad i i really thought he would just fit not seamlessly obviously but he would slide back into spose rotation and spose kind of system and it it just hasn't worked man he's yep. lo- he's had one good game in eight and he has been a massive really negative. bad it's really bad it, last night i mean they they old. were ahead the whole game and he was a minus 19 last night that's hard to do. That, that's baffling. There, Harry's talking about you want to have a fourth quarter where you can rest Jimmy and Bam. You can if you're trotting Joshua Richardson out there because, you, like you said, negative 19, they led wire to wire. You, you can't do it because that right to- there, therein lies your problem of not being able to have your stars get bonus rest. And it's they're, 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 they're caught between a rock and a hard place, truthfully, because it's it's – like you said, there's not many other ball handlers. There, pause. There's not, you know, there, there's not. There's just Drew Smith. Do you really wanna? You wanna put your, you know, the eggs in the basket of Drew Smith? I don't personally. If you do, that's cool. I'd play forty minutes. Burn. Forty minutes of Josh Richardson, then then fourteen minutes of of Drew Smith. I can't do it. I can't. <laughs> George do it. just correctly predicted and, how and, the backcourt's gonna look. And, next I, and I'm and I'm and I know and I take it on 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 the best authority that he is better than drew smith is better than josh richardson at the moment that is no doubt but oh my god it's hard to watch it's it's true harry it's true what we've seen what we've seen from josh richardson he just he's not acclimated at all to to the system that he used to be so great in and he left to go to philadelphia he's been in san antonio he's been in um in boston he's been at the mavericks he's went to the pelicans some of them world-class organizations he he didn't do anything there the second he stood out, he, he, he stepped out of the gym with Miami. He was a different player altogether. To come back and he, it looks like he doesn't know what he's doing. 
It really doesn't. And, and yeah. it's a shame because he's an athletic guard, someone who can defend. But offensively, Maron, I don't know what I'm looking at here. <laughs> I don't know what I'm looking at here, man. I, I swear. But I think RJ Hampton gets a chance now. I think he, he actually gets a chance now. And I, I have drawn comparisons in the past to Josh Richardson and RJ Hampton. Hopefully, we are, we're going to get the Josh Richardson version of that was here before Jimmy was here. But yeah. RJ's got some upside. I think they'll play him more. Jamal Kane, I don't know if he's injured. I don't know why we fell out of the rotation again. But I think he's good, and I think he'll join back. Caleb Martin can come back with Talia's absence now. Um, I just don't know. That guard position is just getting super thin. Goran Dragic is scoring, is scoring whilst driving a golf buggy. <laughs> yeah, Goran's doing some hitting some shots in a golf cart, so maybe he's we can use Goran. Perfect. He's trying, he's trying for dude perfect, and and we're playing Drew Smith. You know, you know, George yeah. Jamari Bouye is still available. If that and and I and I am very depressed that he's not on this team anymore because he was. Should have been Jamari over over Drew Smith, but Miami likes what they see. I am excited for RJ Hampton, though. I do think this kind of opens up a space. Zaz, right before we go, last thing for you. We're going to end on the question that you definitely thought we were going to end on. How do you feel about RJ Hampton? Do you think RJ Hampton's going to can, can can contribute in a positive manner now? I I think honestly, it can't be worse than what they're getting from Richardson right now. Like Kevin Love already fell out the rotation and they're giving something else to try. Like, I don't think Josh Richardson is immune then to falling out of the rotation and to giving RJ Hampton a try. It's worth anything. You, you got to throw something out a wall and see what sticks. Because with the injuries that this team constantly has, you got to keep moving on the fly. And Spo is the best in the league at thinking on the fly. So thank you guys so much for tuning in. Thank you, Zaz, for spending some time with your favorite random scrubs. We'll see all of you guys probably sometime next week. I Thank don't know. you. We'll, we'll tune back in. But yeah, thanks again, Zaz. Thanks again, everybody listening in. Take care. Remember, be good people. Need a stop and a rebound. For you. For three. Oh, my. That was the Random Scrub Heat Podcast.